0: Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host Patrice and on this podcast we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Fiend Show. Today, I'm so excited to be talking to Amma Pia. Amma is a grad student at the George Washington University School of Business, a podcast host and a content creator. And we actually met through her podcast, the Bonnet Talks podcast. She invited me on as a guest and it was so much fun. I thought we should just keep the conversation going and invite her on my podcast as well. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on my show as well.
1: Of course. You know, I can talk to you forever. So, of course, I'd love to continue the conversation here because obviously that's like the best thing ever. So
0: let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So to start off, um, as I told you, I have like all my notes typed up here. So I was trying to do research before the interview and see what we could talk about. Yeah. Yeah, One thing I just wanted to say, this isn't even a question, but... I went on your Instagram to look at your podcast Instagram at the Bonnet Talks. Yes. And I just have so much appreciation for like a well curated Instagram account. Everything on there is so beautiful and perfect. (sighs) Like the graphics and the captions, it's so seamless. I feel like sometimes people don't understand how much organization and planning goes into that. And I just love how you pulled it together. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wait,
1: that means so much to me because I put too much effort into that and I'm now like trying to change my feet a little bit more and like change it up so it's like slow becoming a slow change and it's like so frustrating for me because I'm like like, I just want it to be perfect right now so I love that you say that (laughs) it makes me feel better about what I'm doing
0: it is perfect so don't worry about making it perfect thank you so I just want to talk about I guess related to that kind of your experience with all of this communication social media kind of stuff and one thing i'd like to start with is no other than your one direction twitter account because i think this is so impressive you started a twitter account for one direction updates and eventually you were literally managing a team of people to help you compile content how did that start how much did it grow and what sorts of opportunities came about as a, as a result of that twitter account it's so
1: funny because now this is like what everyone asks me about, me about. even like job interviews are like okay so your one direction account and i'm like okay we let's just go all the way back to when i was 14 yeah. <laughs> and i was like the number one i still am the number one one direction fan obsessed with harry styles you know the whole drill and um this is when twitter and like social media were just starting to become a thing and i had the kind of parents where they were like no you're not allowed to go on facebook you're not allowed to go on twitter And i finally begged them to let me have at least a twitter account and um i decided that it wasn't enough to be having a personal account. I was like, this is boring to talk about myself. I want to talk about other things. So Mm -hmm. I actually, um, I found, I realized there was like a big fandom of One Direction supporters on Twitter. And I was like, you know, I don't want to just tweet about how much I love One Direction, but I actually want to provide updates about them and like tell people what they're like, what's happening. And so- I actually, how it happened was I found someone who uh, had a small account. She had like 500 followers or so. And I asked her, I said, you know what? I think I could come on and really help you. I feel like there's so much opportunity here and I want to be a part of it. And this girl is in Norway. Um, So I'm just talking to this girl from Norway and uh, she's like, yeah, just come on. And after about two months or so, she said, you know what? Like, I think you should take this over. Like, I don't I don't need the account anymore. Like you can do the thing. I said, okay, sure. Like, why not? And so it was so exciting to see it grow from literally like 500 followers to over time. I think by like three years, it hit about 16, 20,000 followers. And then by the time I think I hit, it was like my freshman year of college, just to give context, to everyone, I'm a first year grad student as, uh, as she said. And, um, I, (laughs) by the time I was a freshman in college, I had hit 67,000 followers and my followers included the Associated Press, Yahoo News UK, Mm -hmm. iHeartRadio, um, One Direction's family members would follow us for updates. Um, And so it was just really great to really be at the onset of social media and kind of see it grow into what it is now with influencer marketing and all of that world, because I was really at the beginning of it and I saw it. Um, And to be a part of it in my own little way through One Direction was really awesome. Um, And I I was, again, I was like 14, y'all. Like I was in high school. No one knew I had this account. Like It was such a secret thing. But over time, it became so big that I couldn't manage it myself. And I noticed that, you know, One Direction is obviously from the UK. They have very international fans. And I was like, I'm on the East Coast. Like, I can't be up at like three or four in the morning like I would be updating about them. And so I created this team. I literally had a, like a job application. I could not pay anybody y'all. I was broke. I get, I was like a, a teenager. Okay. And, um, I just had this job application. I picked five girls from, I strategically picked people from like the West coast from, you know, GMT time. So like Netherlands, this girl from the Netherlands was on my team. I picked someone from Australia. Um, And we just all worked together. I managed them and I said, this is what we need to do. And um, this is how I want to do it. And that was kind of like my, one of my first early introductions to leadership and international marketing and content creation. Um, Yeah. So it was an amazing thing and it's led to so as I mentioned, I had so many incredible followers following me that, you know, they were looking for updates for me. So I felt like, I had a lot to show and give and and to help the fan community feel a little bit closer online because we're obviously international. It was so fun to do that. And that was really what content creation is. That uh, is content creation. Um, So it's it's definitely led to a lot of opportunities. And I think that's just where my love and passion for media um, and business also came from. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: I love that you just stumbled upon that almost, and you talked to that girl from Norway, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. bam—we're <laughs> still friends, and we talk. We
1: talk Aww. about it to this day. Like she, everyone on my team, I'm like so close with. Um, I just went and met uh, my friend from from L. A. I met her – this was, like, right before the pandemic hit and all chaos, like, broke loose. (laughs) Um, I met her for the first time in eight years. Like, we had – we'd always been talking through our uh, update account, through text and FaceTime. And I met her for the first time in person last February. So, it was it's crazy how you can really create a community and that I just stumbled upon it when I was (laughs) 14.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a very early age to start at. Yeah. So, then – it it kind of helped you to develop an interest in content creation and media and stuff like that. So, I want to briefly talk about your college experience. Then, did you end up studying something related to media in college? What was your college experience like overall?
1: Yeah. So, something that's like really funny is that I actually initially started college as a molecular and cell biology pre-med major. So, my goal was to go to medical school nothing with nothing with in regards to media at all um but over time I realized how passionate I was about it and I think too seeing how much the One Direction account grew and still grew even when I was in college like I had collaborations with movie partnerships you had was were featuring um I think it was Niles songs like in their soundtracks and they wanted to know how to uh, connect with fans, right? So I started to get collaborations like that during college. um, And I realized that, you know, this is actually something that I could really pursue. And something I always love to do. Like I I love storytelling and I love creating things I've always have since I was younger. And so I was like, okay, why am I struggling through chemistry? You're literally flunking y'all. Let me tell you, the first exam, I got a 46. Okay, that thing was not for me. It was not for me. All right. And so uh, in college, I ended up doing a double major. I still suck with molecular and cell biology because I was like, I suffered enough. I might as well just finish. Right. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and then I added a communication major um, and that was one of the best things I could have ever done. And in that um, time frame, I also became I was such I'm someone who I consider myself to be a leader and I love being involved in my community. So in addition to being a communications major, a double major, um, I was so involved. I was usually like on the exec board for marketing and communications for different clubs. I think At one point, I was on six different um, club exec boards. Oh, my goodness. And then on top of that, because I am crazy, I decided to run for president of my university, and I won. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And so I became the um, first black woman, um, female, you know, black woman president of my university. Um, And that in itself, again, people don't realize that role, as much as it has to do with government and like leadership, it also has to do with marketing and content creation because mm-hmm. my job was representing students and making sure I was closing the gap of communication between admin and students. And so that cre- required me to be very creative. And I was always thinking about how can I engage the students? How can I get them excited about their education? How can I get them excited about things that you know we're doing at the university? And so- connecting that with my communication major, along with all this other side stuff that I was doing was really awesome. And I didn't think they could be connected, but they they were, and they're very much all related. And so I think college allowed me to really shape my own story. So up until this point, I was passionate about shaping the story of this one artist, one direction. I loved their story. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share that with the world. I wanted to build community and be a part of it. And college gave me the opportunity to recognize what my story should be and actually write it. and and put that together and then show people what it actually means so that they can buy into what I'm doing. Um, So I think it was a really interesting period for me because, again, I I was going from being pre-med to like something completely different. So it was a ride. It was a ride, girl. But uh, I think it was really monumental for me.
0: I love that. It sounds like you had a great experience, and I was looking also at your LinkedIn page to find stuff for this interview. And I was just scrolling through the list, like, how much did she do in college? <laughs> There's so many organizations and leadership roles. Honestly, so impressive. Oh my gosh!
1: Thank you. Everyone asked me that. Like, they're like, "Do you ever sleep?" And I said, "No. I literally would get <laughs> up like seven in the morning, go to bed at two a.m. Like nonstop wow. meetings every day. It was crazy. So."
0: it's fine. I'm here. Well, What's What's it like now that you are in grad school? I honestly don't know that much about the difference between what it's like to be studying for a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. (laughs) Are you still that busy? Have have your um, commitments changed?
1: Yeah, I think my commitments have changed a little bit because I think people don't realize, I think with, with your bachelor's degree, it's kind of like you know you're building your resume to maybe get into your first entry level job or to you know, go to another set of school like grad school, med uh-huh. school, law school. And so the way you think about your activities in that time is really like, okay, what looks the best sometimes? I mean, I mm-hmm. still try to do what I loved and make sure that it would also be, you know impressive enough. I tried to have the best of both worlds, but I think what's awesome about grad school is that I can be really intentional with what I want to do. And so, I wasn't right now. I think the difference between <laughs> bachelor's and grad school is that I'm only really focusing my time for things that I genuinely want to be a part of. Not that I didn't want to be a part of them in, in undergrad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think it's really awesome to look at things the, for what they are and say, you know what, that's kind of cool. I want to try that. And just because I'm mm-hmm. genuinely interested in it. And if it relates to what I'm doing, that's. Awesome, like I would love that. But if not, it's also okay because it's just something I like to do. Um, and so I think my approach is a little bit different. But yeah, I think that would be. I, I'm still busy, like mm-hmm. extraordinarily busy. But it's not definitely not the same like pressure as it was in undergrad. So I'm I'm really enjoying doing what I'm doing now.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I think something to keep in mind for like high school students or bachelor students trying to figure out what would look good, like look good for a college application or whatever, is that, well, for example, when you started your Twitter account, that wasn't, you didn't really expect it would grow that much. It was just kind of something you wanted to try for fun. But then, as you mentioned, you ended up talking about it in job interviews and stuff. Literally. (laughs) So I think that anything that you put like a lot of passion and effort into is going to end up probably looking good.
1: No, exactly. 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 People will want to invest in that because they see how passionate you are about it. So it's like, they'll be in for the ride.
0: Exactly. So then moving on to, you really like storytelling, you really like media, communications. And so you started your podcast, the Bonnet Talks podcast. So what inspired you to start that Um, was there a girl in Norway who you (laughs) collaborated with Um, and what was that like because I feel like the beginning of starting any sort of project can be really confusing and overwhelming and so how did you get over that initial hump of starting such such a new project
1: yeah so this time there was no girl in Norway this was a whole (laughs) you
0: know this is like
1: from scratch for (laughs) like for real um but I actually have always been interested in having a podcast. Actually, my first, so my freshman year of college, I thought about um, doing a podcast about One Direction updates. I said, you know what? No one really talks about podcasts because at the time it really wasn't a thing. It's only kind of recently the industry has really popped up. Um, and I was like, you know, it would be really interesting if I could have a talk show about this and instead of having people read, you know, what the updates are, I can talk about them and maybe people could call in and talk, talk to me directly about what they think about the updates going on or what they're excited for coming up. So it would be a new avenue for people to just engage. Right. And I, because college was just so busy, I never had the chance to do it. And, uh, then I graduated and then, you know, I started a new job and it was so busy And we finally kind of had a pause because the pandemic hit and we were kind of forced to be like, okay, we literally can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. And for me, y'all, I'm a Virgo. I was extremely bothered by that. I was like, I can't (laughs) just sit here. (laughs) I need to do something. And so I said, you know what? Like, This is something I've always wanted to do. But Also, a lot of people personally ask me for my advice on a lot of things post-grad. And they ask me about, you know, how I view things because I really try, I feel like my perspective is unique because I grew up in an immigrant family. I was always taught to really push through and persevere. And I look at things in a very holistic, multifaceted way. And so at the time, there wasn't a lot of people really talking about the 20-something experience. It was just kind of starting to come up. Now we see it everywhere, right? But I think in America especially, we're not really conditioned to be vulnerable. We don't really talk about these things. We kind of just go, go, go. And I was like, you know what? I think it's important for me to you know, share my perspective. I think it'd be really cool to show what I've been going through, because I think everyone—I mean, from what I did in school—everyone kind of is like, "Oh, she's perfect. She's done X, Y, and Z. She, she's whatever." And that wasn't the case. Everyone goes through certain things, and so I said, "You know, what? I want to share my perspective. I want to help other people, but then I also want to show diverse perspectives, and I really want to give people the opportunity to, to realize that you can be vulnerable and you can have fun in in doing that, um, and you can also hear other people's." You know, different contexts of their the things that they're going through. I think one of the most important things that we've learned in the past year is that you know when we we talk about let's say Black Lives Matter and racism in America, you know the way there was such an outpouring of support across the world, and even people even talking about you know not even the Black experience, but even talking about the Asian experience, you know, with coronavirus, how people are being mistreated for that. Those are very common things that we're all going through. Um, Most of us, if you're in those groups and we're all experiencing some things in like similar things in different ways, but we're not talking about it. Um, And people aren't open to even understanding the other perspectives or understanding others experiences in different countries or in different communities. And so I said, you know what? I think I should talk about the 20 something experience, but give people the platform to share it within their own context. So, I'm not only having people, I'm not only just talking about my experience because I only have the experience of a black woman in America, right? But I'm having people from Australia being on my show, people from Malaysia being on my show talking about mental health in Asia, like the differences between here and there or the similarities. Um, I have people in London on my show talking about how the pandemic affected them in their search for an entry-level job, right? So common things that we are kind of all experiencing now, but are different because of different communities or places that we're in. Um, and then I have people who are just, that I know from, um, from just from school and stuff, just being able to share their experiences. And I do it in a format that's like a FaceTime call. I always, I always relate it to that, that, um, you know, we talk about the deep things, but we also talk about the fun things and it's hilarious. Like some of the things are like, you know, when we talk about dating and like trying to date in a pandemic or AKA a panoramic, you know, how do you like, how do you do that? Um, but we, those are the things we talk about with our friends on a FaceTime call, right? It's, we talk about the deep stuff. We talk about the funny stuff. And so I really want to, long story short, I've been rambling, but I I really wanted the opportunity to show the full picture or give people to op- the opportunity to, to use their voice, to share the full picture and help us to understand each other and, and what we're all doing and realize that we actually have more in common than we think. Um, and to answer your question about the kind of the hurdles of trying to do that in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely interesting. I think the biggest hurdle for me was, you know, as, as everyone worries about, is this going to be something that people are going to judge me for? Like, what are people going to think about it? Like, but I just realized so quickly that it doesn't matter because I'm not doing it for like other people like if they if they want to judge me based on me having a podcast or creating content like you could have judged me when i had the one direction account like there's <laughs> nothing you could say now <laughs> it's all
0: out there it's now it's all out there there's,
1: it's okay but i just knew what i was doing was important and it wasn't there and there you know right now you can see so many podcasts talking about the 20 something experience right they they're there and i think it's important i'm glad that it's becoming like a niche thing now but I think the difference between mine and others is is that I really try to showcase the holistic, the holistic piece of it and show people new experiences that they never would have thought before, thought of before. And um, I try to make it really just candidly deep. So that's, that's why for me, I knew that would have an impact and that that's what matters at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what people think. And if they give you good, like they give you, you know, critical feedback, like take it and and run. Um. So yeah, I that was a very long answer, but yeah, I would say that piece of it was definitely, I think, the biggest hurdle that I had in creating the podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think you've done a really great job with the podcast, and I you were talking about how you try to interview people from different countries to share different perspectives, and I noticed you had that mini series, Your Twenties in Blank, where you interview international friends, and I just think that's so cool because especially these days it's very easy to kind of get in a bubble um especially if you're always at home during the pandemic like you just think that your bubble is what everyone is experiencing and it's really Mm -hmm. the internet can be a really good way to like pop that bubble and just remember that you just assume what the rest of the world is but honestly you probably have no idea right um And I'm also really glad that people are talking more about the experience of being in your 20s. I think we might have mentioned it when I was on your podcast, but that book, The Defining Decade, was so eye-opening to me because I feel like after high school, they just kind of let you go. (laughs) They teach you some stuff, but none of it is really life skills. And then they're like, yeah, no go to college and get a job and start a family and whatever. What? How? How do I do that? I need the guidebook. (laughs) Exactly. And that book was literally a guidebook. I loved it. For anyone who hasn't read it, it's three sections. It's like dating, career, and then kind of health and stuff like that. And there were so many points it made that I'd never thought about. So I'm so glad I read it. Yeah. Um and your podcast i think also does a really good job of covering those same topics i was just looking through the episode list Um, For anyone who wants a preview, you talk about stuff like self-advocacy in the workplace, dating in your 20s, financial self-care, etc. So I think it's so cool that you've had this experience of talking to so many people and collecting so much information. So what would you say are the biggest takeaways or lessons that you've learned from interviewing all of these people? What has stuck with you or have you seen any common threads throughout all of these conversations?
1: Yeah. I think there is there's two things. One kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It was my h- biggest hurdle is just the judgment and people what people would think. And I just realized through <laughs> it's it's so crazy how much emphasis we put on validation from others. You know, whether it was talking about the workplace and trying to be feel understood there or, you know, trying to make the transition from college to post-grad and how you keep your friends or who do you keep up your friends, Um, you know, or or even talking about imposter syndrome, like all that stuff. I've just realized that I think one of the things that 20-somethings focus on, and I think this is any age, but I think especially people in their 20s, we just really focus on how we're doing and compare it to other people and how other people are going to view us because of it. Mm And so we tend to really limit ourselves, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's, you know, with our friends anywhere. Um, And it's kind of crazy because it's across the board. It's not just like in America. It's not it's just it's everywhere. And I think it is a little sad. And I think we need to do a little bit more to uplift each other up, especially in the age of social media, where it is so hard to just compare yourself to everyone. We always talk about that on my show where it's like it's just so easy to feel badly about yourself and then to kind of put yourself in this hole of let me just go on Instagram and see how well everyone else is chewing, and then Mm -hmm. feel worse about myself. Um, And so one common common thread that I've seen that I've talked about to address that situation is we're all on a different journey. And I think now people, at least people around me are starting to realize that and like just say it's okay. Like we're all doing different things. I think 2020 has even showed us that we have to stop and rethink and take inventory of what we're doing and make sure we're doing things for us and not other people. Cause sometimes that can be one day that could all be taken away from us. So it's like, well, what are you doing right now? Um, to really like, what, what's the story that you're going to tell on your journey? Right. And so Mm -hmm. That only requires you, the author, to figure that out, not anyone else. You know, there's no co-writers on this thing. It's you. Um, and so I think that's definitely one of, I think, the common thread with with all of all of the episodes I've had. Because I think it's just, again, it's an insecurity that everyone goes through. And it's not just when you're 20-something. It's I see adults, girl, adults adults <laughs> be doing the same thing, too. I'm like, mm, I'd be watching y'all on TV or even my own, like, people I know personally, I'm like, we're all struggling. Like we're all going through the same thing. But the most important thing is that we use platforms like my podcast or just talking to people. We, we do that to bring community together and make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're all here to support each other. So I think that's one of the mm-hmm. common threads I've seen. And I think the other one is just that, you know, no one really knows what they're doing. Like, <laughs> I think that's like, that's the best thing and it's the most comforting thing right too because it's like i've had like youtubers and content creators in my on my show before um and it's so funny because they'll even say that people put them on a pedestal or think that because they make things look so pretty on instagram or whatever that they people think that they are perfect and it's like no they literally don't know what they're doing like i think that's the most the best thing because it's like like that's how I feel feel with you and I. I just feel like I connected so well with you because I relate to you a lot. Um, but then I also, I just feel like we think about things in a similar way and that we're just like trying to figure things out. Like i I can see watch your YouTube videos and be like, "Oh my gosh, she's so like put together and everything. But I know that we we're just going through life. We're just trying to figure it out. And that's so comforting. So it it's like, I think that's another common thread of like understanding that we can break down those barriers just so that we can see each other human to human and just be and help each other out. And so, yeah, I would say those two things are the most common things.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, in regards to kind of comparing yourself to other people and where they are along and on their life path. I remember seeing a tweet or something that was like, the 20s are such a weird time because you have some people in your friend group who are still living with their parents and studying and then other people are married and have kids literally I literally okay So
1: 2 a.m like this morning I was on was it Instagram and someone from like high school posted their baby and I I texted my friend like didn't we just turn like 23 like (laughs) last week (laughs) I'm so confused and we're like I literally was like I just like I just baked cookies and ate and watched K-dramas like two hours ago. I'm not doing anything with my life. Meanwhile, she's taking care of a whole ass baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. And, I, and so I think it's so helpful to have conversations rather than social media. Like social media has its place, but it doesn't right. show people's lives the way that a conversation does. I feel like in my experience, anytime I've had a one-on-one personal conversation with someone who... I really admired and like you said, kind of put on a pedestal and thought they have it all together. They're so successful. I want to be like them. But then I talked to them and I realized, oh, they have their own struggles, too. And literally every single time you have a conversation, that's the conclusion that you right. come away with. <laughs> that's every single time. <laughs> And then about um, everyone not knowing what they're doing, I always remember this story. I don't know why it stuck with me so much, but when I was, I think, a sophomore in high school, I had a friend who was a senior, so I was learning how to drive, and she obviously already was driving, and I was just telling her, like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to learn all these rules and these signs and everything, and she said, oh, actually no one knows what they all mean like we, it's just the blind following the blind you just do what other people are doing and then you start driving and you realize yeah it kind of is like that you just follow what other people are doing and life is like that as well i exactly. think
1: exactly 100 percent. trust me i don't know what they are so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i was also talking to my dad about driving because i was just stressing out about driving i was like i don't know how people are actually going to give me a driver's license and allow me to be on the road by myself. Oh, but my dad was saying, yeah, you normally just follow what other people are doing. But if you end up like the first car at the intersection in a new city, that's where it gets tough. <laughs> that's where you need to actually
1: have your ear stuff together.
0: <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's a good metaphor for life is you can always like find some other cars to follow someone who has gone through the same experience and just try to take some, some tips from what they did. Exactly. And then when you get to the intersection, you have to choose, just take the risk, you know, hopefully you've gotten the information you need to step on the gas and go. (laughs) I hope no one is listening to this in their car. (laughs) Yeah, please. Oh my God. (laughs) Be safe. (laughs) So, I had a quick question for you regarding your podcast, just in case anyone um, is listening is interested in content creation or things like that. What has the process of reaching out to people for interviews been like? How do you go about that and when you interview people who you don't like know in real life, is it generally people that whose work you're already familiar with, like you already consume their content online or whatever, or do you just go out and Search like anyone, you know. Yeah. So I, I have like a
1: like a mini strategy for this. So I again, I'm very much about like sharing all kinds of perspectives on my podcast. And so, um, usually I think at first I was doing a lot of my fr- my personal friends and people I knew in real life. And then when I would come to people I didn't really know too closely, um, the people that I would reach out to were people I really admired their work, have been following them for a while. And when I would reach out to them, I would be really just genuine in my emails or DMs and say, you know what, like I connect with you in this way and I've been consuming your contact for X amount of time, but this is why I really enjoy it. And this is why I really enjoy you. And this is what the kind of value that I think you can bring to my show. And I think that's important because for me, when I, when I have a guest on, I treat them as like my close friend. I don't, I, I I might not know you at all. Like we met for the first time, literally on my podcast. And I consider every single person on there like my friend because if if we were to meet each other like at school, I think we would be friends. Like that's literally because I, I I connect in that way. Um, that's how I feel based on the content that I've consumed with the person. And so I really try to be personal about why I'm inviting them to the show and why I want them to come because, I think sometimes too with a lot of uh, content creators and maybe just bigger people, they don't really get that often. A lot of the emails are very like sterile or like mass emails, and like <laughs> or it's like you know they get a lot of guest interview requests, you know all that stuff. And I'm not having them on the show because they're a content creator. Like that's that's not why. It's because I genuinely. Want to have a relationship with this person, and I really like what they're doing, and I think that we could genuinely be friends. And that's that's the premise of my show, The Bonnet Talks. Is you know, I this is the just to explain the Bonnet Talks title a bit. Um, it's me and my bonnet. My bonnet is what I put on before I go to bed at night. Like I'm wearing pajamas. I have my oatmeal face mask on. Everyone, my closest friends know the image, and girl, it is not a pretty image. Let me tell you that. And. So whoever I have in the show is someone I would consider to I would I would want them to see me like that because that's how we relate and we connect. Um, And so I'm really strategic about like who I I have on Um, and for people who I don't really because now I'm kind of branching out a bit. Um, you know, to people that are, uh, you know, not necessarily close to me or not necessarily people I've consumed a lot of their content. Um, But I still look for those personal connections too. like if I find someone that's really cool, let's say on TikTok, I really like watch their stuff like after the fact. and I'll say, hmm, like this is these are the kinds of things we could talk about. These are the um, connections that we have and this is what I would want to learn from them. And this is also something that they might be able to learn from me because it's a two-way street, um, and that's what a conversation is. Um, I don't want it to be like interview, question, answer. No, it's I, I, like I say, it's a FaceTime call. So uh, or it's like a FaceTime call. So that's kind of how I approach it. Um, I really try and personalize it in the email and show that I am 100% in it because I am. Um, and then I use that strategy to find other people that I'm not, might not be as close to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say your strategy was very effective because your email definitely stood out in my inbox. Just like you said, there's always a flood of emails that are kind of annoying. (laughs) Like, for example, for YouTube sponsorships, you'll get emails where they literally don't even mention your name. It's just, hi, blogger. Would you like to review our product (laughs) or something? Or recently I've been getting um like guest requests um to be on my podcast and they'll be like part of an agency or whatever and the agency reaches out on their behalf and yeah. they're like, We think you should interview this person. Here's what they've done with their life and bullet points they can talk about and it just sounds so like polished in a bad way, like not personalized at all. They don't really know what I talk about on my podcast or what kind of a conversation we could have. It's just literally mass emailing to all of the podcasts that they're aware of in in the internet space.
1: No, I hate that too. (laughs) I really do. Cause it's like, you're not even listening to what I, what I do. Like girl, I
0: don't know. Exactly. Or sometimes (laughs) they don't know my name. So they'll just be like, Dear Bliss or Dear the <laughs> Bliss Bean <laughs> they're like wait they're like first name Bliss last name Bean <laughs> exactly yeah it's like I, I know maybe oh. I don't write my name everywhere but it's just just a little bit of digging and you I would find it I can't I really <laughs> that tiny bit of effort might have made the difference between me responding to the email and just immediately deleting
1: it <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah I don't do that I, I
0: <laughs> and that's why your podcast was so successful that's (laughs) the secret to success (laughs) yeah (laughs) so Next, I wanted to move on to talking about one of the most fun topics that we talked about last time, which is K-pop. So yeah. um, your the One Direction Twitter account that you had is now like a personal account. Yes. And if people go on it, they'll see that there's a little seven written above <laughs> your name on the profile. Yes. And anyone who's anyone knows that that means you are an army. So you know what's up exactly when did you start listening to bts and fall down that rabbit hole so you know what's funny right so,
1: I, <laughs> so BTS, bts started and they they debuted in 2013 and that was like the height of like one direction like the peak of one direction's career mm-hmm. and i just remember hearing people talking about bts and then people from the one direction fam- fandom literally leaving the fandom to go become army I remember, yeah, it's crazy. So, and I remember being like, Oh my god! Why would anyone want to leave a fandom? You know, like me. Like, oh my god, why? Why would you like go and join like, Traders? a traitors? Like really? Like literally traitors. And meanwhile, I didn't even realize that I did the same thing with the believer fandom. I literally loved Justin Bieber for One Direction, so I was being a <laughs> hypocrite anyway. So I remember, I literally remember going on Spotify to be like, "Oh, let me just listen to their music, just to see what the like, research purposes <laughs> for research purposes." So. <laughs> Uh, so, I, but this is the funny thing. So I went, and to give you guys, if you guys are an army, this is like a huge throwback. I think the number one song on their their Spotify was uh, uh, "Boy in Love." That's so. That's how old you know. Like that. That's when I was searching, mm-hmm. and if any again anyone who knows bts you would understand that you know they were a hip-hop group when they started and so but not everyone likes that kind of vibe like they were going hardcore and so when Mm -hmm. i first pressed play i was like what is going on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let me go play what makes you beautiful hold on so i was like "Uh, i don't know this isn't kind of this isn't really for me but over the years, they obviously had done more performances, and they were more on American TV shows and stuff. And the one that really stuck out to me, so that was oh gosh, that was 2013, until I revisited them in 2019. That's a lot. oh gosh, too much time <laughs> lost. Um, I missed too much, but I saw them perform um, "Boy with Love" uh, with Halsey on the American on the Billboard Music Awards. And I loved it so much. It was so catchy, but I never like said, oh, let me go watch the music video. And then I graduated from college. and I said, "Mm, I have so much time. Let me just like, (laughs) let me go watch the video because I also am a dancer. And so when I graduated, I had more time to also practice dance. And I remembered like watching the Billboard Music Awards and them doing like the like the you know yes. I wish I could see but there's like if you know boy with love you know the signature dance I don't even you yes, know yes the shuffle thing just, you know it so I was like let me go watch the music video ciao <laughs> girl that was that was it I said I so I watched the music video stunning all of them mm-hmm. and then I watched the choreography video for you know research purposes as I, I said scientific information was necessary and I noticed Jungkook. I didn't know Jungkook at the time, but he was in the front wearing all black, and I was like, "This guy is hot as." Mm. I was like, "Hold on." But then I said, "Oh, like I want to be able to tell them apart. Let me go like watch like one of those videos that's like meet w- welcome to BTS, meet them. Mm-hmm. Like games. These this what they like to do." I watched ten of those videos all in one night. I watched interviews, and I said, "You know what? I'm so mad. that I can't even understand what they're saying. I don't want to use captions. I'm going to learn Korean." So imagine, I'm learning Korean, I'm watching all the intro videos, and then that was it.
0: (laughs) Sounds so familiar. Oh, deja vu. <laughs> exactly. But really, their style changed so, so much. Mm-hmm. And well, I joined joined the army <laughs> when it was New Year's 2018. So like 27 going into 2018. And they performed DNA and mic drop. Yeah, um, exactly. And like you at first, well, I previously was not in any other fandom. So I was not really being a traitor in any way. <laughs> But I did have my hesitations. Like I had heard about BTS and I was like, oh, the the fandom is weird. I could not get into that. And then what do you know? Just a few months later, I fell down into the rabbit hole myself, but they performed DNA and mic drop, which really surprised me how much I enjoyed the music and the choreography and everything. And then, yeah, it's just been really interesting seeing their music evolution and I saw a post on on Reddit where someone was just talking about how, like, they're sad that they didn't discover BTS earlier. And I experienced, like, this sentimental, nostalgic feeling as well, just thinking about how how much music has come out since then, mm. how good, like, the Love Yourself era was, mm. how I wish I had been around for... Like, one of my favorite albums is the The Most Beautiful Moment in Life. Ah so oh. good <laughs> you know that was literally
1: I do you want i want to talk about
0: it <laughs> and so like yeah new armies i wish that they they had an opportunity to rewind the clock yeah. and me as well like if only I had been there in 2013, why did middle school me, why did I not have my finger on the pulse <laughs> of K-pop trends? <laughs> oh, it's so interesting, though, because, see, I was exposed to K-pop when I was
1: 10. If you guys really love K-pop, you know Girls' Generation, G, one of the most iconic like K-pop songs and ever. And so I learned the choreography for that when I was literally 10. And then I have heard of, like, K-pop, like all that stuff, but I never like got really into it until bts but it's funny now like most of the bts discography that i listen to are all their old stuff like school love Mm -hmm. affair um dark and wild like all their old because i actually really enjoy like 90s hip-hop which is what their like vibes were kind of in the beginning because that's they originated as a hip-hop group and then obviously Mm -hmm. wings was like so ahead of their time Like if if Wings was, so for context, everyone, we're just going off (laughs) on our army thing, but just for context of how incredible this band is, honestly, Wings, if it was released, let's say 2018 or even last year, it would have been a huge hit because of Mm -hmm. how they've scaled the whole thing. I think one of the reasons why I fell into the BTS rabbit hole is, um, you know, they've They've created a whole like alternative universe to accompany their music and their music videos, and it's actually really fun to follow along with. They have books about it too, and it, it's just very engaging for fans. And so it's fun. So when you have a fan community like that and you're engaging them in that way, it's just so exciting. And then you get to know their personalities too, and they just are such hard workers and just they speak out on a lot of social justice issues too. So they really have the whole package. And I really wish I agree. I wish I I knew them from the beginning, but what I I think is awesome is that, you know, being a newer army, a lot of their discography is very fresh. Like it's like you, when you listen to it, it's like you're listening to it from the, for the first time every time. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think it's very hard to do in the music industry. A lot of, a lot of things can sound repetitive most times, but they do a very great job. So go
0: listen. to. Even if a person like regrets not getting into it earlier, I think it's a fun experience to delve into the older discography. Yeah. Like I think Dynamite sucked a lot of new people in. Yeah. And yeah. I think I, I heard someone referring to Dynamite as like the Trojan horse that they use to kind of infiltrate the Western market, mm-hmm. but then... Behind it is like all of this other stuff in Korean that does not get any radio airplay, but it's really good and it's just all there waiting for you to discover it. I know.
1: I'm. That's why I'm a bit salty. I'm like, I'm so happy they have the Grammy nomination, but I'm
0: like, child, how are you gonna, how are you gonna nominate
1: Dynamite when Black Dynamite? (laughs) I said. I was like, how are you gonna do her dirty like that? I said, even Outro Ego, y'all could even pay (sighs) dust. you know but it's okay i get it i get it it's it's the trojan horse it's fine but if, I know. You, guys, if you guys enjoy dynamite i think you should actually really explore their older stuff too
0: yes <laughs> and if you did didn't enjoy dynamite still check out their older stuff cuz it's very different exactly
1: because i'm telling you dynamite is not their best song it's not like it's 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 great that i brought them all the accolades cuz it's an english you know speak it's this english song like great we got the new fans now that we've roped you in please go listen to their other (laughs)
0: that was just a cover that was just a play we were just scheming, y'all bamboozling like just just okay <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm so excited to see what they do for the Grammys, and also MTV Unplugged is going to be at the end of this month, and I'm so excited for that because I really wish they did more music with live instruments. Yes. Have you seen their SNL performance of Boy, Boy with Love? Yes, of course I have. That was my favorite version of it, and they only did it like once. Literally,
1: unbelievable. Then their NPR um, Tiny Desk um, mm-hmm. concert, incredible. Actually, so the the NPR headquarters is right behind my. So I live in DC, every, Washington DC. Everyone, and the uh, NPR headquarters is right behind my apartment. So mm-hmm. if we were not in a panoramic, in a Panasonic, in a pandemic, <laughs> they would have been in my backyard, and I would have been like, "Hello!" <laughs> exactly. Sad, but you know the the live instrument piece of it is awesome. I can't I can't wait to see what they do with the Grammys too because um live instruments and yungi will also hopefully be better with his shoulder, so we can kind of all mm-hmm. of them. You know, hopefully they'll get the Grammy. What Yungi wants, yungi gets.
0: Yeah. You know, so I but- wonder what it's like to listen to this podcast episode as someone who knows nothing about BTS. <laughs> 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 they must have clicked off a while podcast. ago. <laughs> There's all this lingo and inside jokes and vocabulary. I think that's what I love also about BTS is that aside from the music and the performances, which are great, they feel like such a family and the ARMY feels like such a family that just watching them is like so comforting. And I think that's something we need, especially in like 2020 is something that's kind of consistent to come back to and pts is like our family literally
1: 100 i agreed
0: <laughs> so to anyone listening join the family <laughs> let's stream dynamite and join the family all crazy
1: okay i mean sometimes
0: you know <laughs> We're, come on listen to us we're cool like <laughs> yeah exactly we had a very serious uh deep discussion at the start of the episode so yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we you can trust us off the trade tracks completely <laughs> <laughs> so. exactly well I wanted to do a little lightning round at the end and so I thought the first question obviously might be maybe not what's your favorite bts song if maybe you don't have one it's hard to choose or just one that you're listening to particularly at the moment
1: Uh, the first see i have so many but the mm-hmm. one i've been recently listening to a lot is can you turn off your cell phone
0: <gasps> that one is underrated underrated
1: <laughs> and it makes me upset Too, oh yeah that that yeah. and outro ego i i'm a let's mm. y'all if you guys know bts i am a j-hope
0: girl i am a j-hope and jungkook girl well my friend recommended could you turn off your cell phone to me and I really liked it. And then recently, I saw a ranking where I think on Reddit they did this big poll for everyone to rank all of their discography. Yeah. And it did very poorly. And I felt so bad. That <laughs> is garbage. You see, and you know they probably put something like I don't even know Microcosmos at like number one. Not that that's a bad song, but come on. <laughs> like, Actually, you know. I think I did agree with their number one. I think number one was Black Swan. Okay, so that, no, but all is not. good in the universe. You no. Know, now i feel at peace you know and i i think last was probably on featuring sia which okay. never should have happened <laughs> Not, you know that was problematic from the <laughs> second i saw the name i said
1: girl who who is, this? Who is their management i'm gonna call them producer
0: pong i'm gonna i'm gonna call you because that was a mess. <laughs> who invited her anyways <laughs> How about what is one piece of advice that you would give to listeners in their 20s, which is probably most of them? Yeah, Um, I would say stop
1: planning. (laughs) Ooh, Stop planning. I think that's so hard for me to say and for us to be talking about because you've heard mostly. (laughs) (laughs) You're not allowed to say that, (laughs) but I'm just saying. Just say I think 2020 has really taught us to just take a pause and take inventory and you'll be surprised. Um, Unplanned things can really give you a lot of different surprises and lead you down to different things that you'll enjoy even more than what you're doing now. So I I think that'd be my number one advice for people in their 20s.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like as a disclaimer, I think I lean more and more towards saying like short-term planning over short-term. long-term planning. I don't know what's going to happen in the long term. Mm. Usually I can't predict any more than a few months of my life, but just like take it day by day, week by week, and then it'll be great. <laughs> that's, that's the way to go. <laughs> and for the last lightning round question, what is a quote that you personally like?
1: Ah, uh, Okay. The one I always, this is like my lifetime motto at this point, but um, it's by Taylor Swift. She said it at her, I'm also like a Swifty, although Mm -hmm. she, I kind of went off the rails when she released Reputation. I was like, "Mm, this album, I don't know. But But, love her. And I think the quote that I always go back to is something she said on one of her tours and she said, um, you're not going nowhere just because you're not where you want to be yet. And I think that's really important, especially for people in their 20s, because again, of that that game of comparison, but also the pressure that we put on ourselves for some reason. Like we we just put so much pressure to be the best and to like do everything all that all at once. And we just we just uh, we don't give ourselves enough like credit, you know, it's it's really sad. And I'm someone who was always like, well, I would. I beat myself up for not being where I, I envision myself to be at this time or like by, by this plan or by this goal. And at the end of the day, like you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's that's that. And you gotta just do the best you can every day. And you know, surround yourself with people who will also help you to get to where you want to be eventually. It doesn't mean it's gonna be now. It's gonna take time. Um, and yeah, it doesn't mean just because you're not there yet doesn't mean you aren't where you're supposed to be now. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Completely agree. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And it was just as fun as last time. I'm so glad that I could have another conversation with you. Where can our listeners find you online? So you can find me,
1: um, on Instagram, um, i or if you want to listen to the Bonnet talks, um, podcast, you can find it on Spotify, anchor, or, uh, Apple podcasts, and you can follow the Bonnet talks, Instagram at the Bonnet talks. So yeah, find me there. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. I'm so glad to be on here and to talk about everything, including BTS with you. <laughs>
0: Sorry for some of the audio issues towards the end of that episode, I was trying to learn how to use Zencaster and it has this background noise removal feature that sometimes works so well that when one person is talking and the other one tries to say something as well it kind of makes them all muffled and distorted so towards the end of the episode we were kind of talking over each other a lot because we were so excited to talk about BTS so that is why that happened and um, for future episodes that I do with Zencastr I'll try to turn off that feature But anyways, three takeaways from today's episode. I feel like there were so many, but we'll just stick to three. The first one is that no one really knows what they're doing, especially in the decade of their 20s, but honestly all the time. And so the best thing we can do is just see what paths other people have gone down, have conversations with other people, read books like The Defining Decade. I'll put a link to that one in the show notes and just do our best and not compare ourselves to other people too much. Second, when you're a high school student getting ready to apply to college or a college student getting ready to apply to grad school, Don't always just focus on what will look good on the application because oftentimes, as is what happened with Alma and her starting her One Direction Twitter account that turned out to be a very useful thing to mention in job interviews and such, um, or with my blog and YouTube channel which I think really boosted my college applications and my internship application during my junior year. I think what we can learn from that is that oftentimes it's by doing what is genuinely the most interesting to you that you accomplish the most unique and spectacular things. So if you don't initially set out with the intention to do something impressive, I think in a kind of roundabout way you end up doing something that is very impressive. And finally, comparison on social media. Everyone struggles with that, and it's just important to remember that it's not accurate what you see on social media. I know that's been said thousands of times, but something I've been thinking about recently is how the more people follow you on social media actually, the more misunderstood you are. Because you think that, oh, if a lot of people follow you, then a lot of people see what you're saying, see your life story. But the problem is that what you see on social media is just tiny snippets. And, like, I keep noticing that people form assumptions about me and about other creators based on, like, two videos that they've watched. And they have such distorted ideas of what my life or what I um, am actually like. And so the window into someone's life that you get through social media is so small, um, so so dim, you barely see anything through it. So honestly, whenever you're feeling comparisonitis because of social media, just refer back to takeaway number one. No one really knows what they're doing. For today's action step, I would encourage you to think about this question. What is something that you want to do that you're afraid of being judged about? So Alma talked about how one of the hurdles to starting a podcast was worrying about what other people will think about the podcast, and I can 100% relate to that with starting my YouTube channel and my podcast and everything. You always worry about what other people think, and everyone goes through that, but it just is not a good use of your time because, again, no one really knows what they're doing. For Bliss Bean updates, there is a live study stream happening today at 11 a.m. CST Central, so you can study and or work alongside me virtually, and then a viably meetup this Sunday at 10 a.m. Central. So the links to both of those are in the show notes. And finally, for my recommendation, I am going to recommend to you the show on Apple TV Plus, Ted Lasso. I'm so glad I watched this show. I am not currently in the mood for any sort of heavy, scary, emotional show, anything like that. This is such a beautiful, lighthearted, wholesome, funny, in my opinion, it's very funny. It's, it's just a fantastic show. I have seen Jason Sudeikis mainly on SNL. By the way, fun fact, Sudeikis or Sudeikis is a Lithuanian last name. So he's actually a quarter Lithuanian. But so I had seen him on SNL. I hadn't really seen him in anything else, but I loved him in this show. And I believe he was one of the creators of it as well. I think I read in an interview that he kind of wanted to challenge himself to write a show or create a show that proved that a story about uh just like a really good cheerful optimistic guy could still be interesting that it didn't need all that drama in the main character's life and it's also really short it's 10 episodes and they're each 30 minutes long i think season two is coming out this summer so i'm very excited for that let me know if you watch it i hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and i will talk to you next week if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at theblissbean and theblissbean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's theblissbean.com podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at theblissbean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.